time it is it is qp sports exchange football friday it's your host vince i'm happy to be here this is gonna be a real short open couple things um some things to clean up literally i want to excuse my audio on this podcast because i have a now a new contributor by the name of kyler copeland he is now going to be our fantasy football guy that we depend on on this uh podcast network and we're so happy to have him um he did the whole show with me he was great he was entertaining and his podcast drops tomorrow so it's called fantasy and dreams it'll be up on all of your podcast platforms and i couldn't be happier to have him but my audio was straight trash in this. We were doing it on Green Room, which is now the defunct locker room. So my audio was terrible. His audio was great. So I apologize. But listen to the episode. There's some good information in there. You can already start to see some of the fantasy implications that are going on and he has some really good takes about football so i am happy to have kyler copeland in the family and we are looking for big things out of kyler because he's from texas so with that being said you know what time it is it's time to get to this pot let's go going on man i'm i'm excited to be here that was a really good intro best intro i've ever had that's for sure and uh yeah i'm ready to get to work and ready to get uh this shit going all right well we're gonna give the folks a little background on you tyler's from texas okay you know what they do there 
It's real big in Texas, so I expect a lot of big things from Tyler. Um, so, Tyler, give me a little bit about what you are looking to do with your fantasy football show. Yeah, so I'm just looking to give the people out there a little insight. You know, I I do a little decent in my fantasy leagues. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I just I like to give the people a little info, give them some rankings, give them some guys that they should avoid, some guys that they should take, and uh, try to give my own little spin on the content. So there's a little entertainment in there while you're doing that. But um, yeah, that's really the end goal is just to help people win their fantasy leagues. Yeah, what we're also going to do with Tyler, he doesn't even know this yet, is that once the season is about to begin, we're going to have him do like a little write-up on the blog on questionpointpodnetwork.com. And mm-hmm. so if you're looking for little tidbits, if you're looking for that little edge to dominate your fantasy and make all your dreams come true, this is where Tyler steps in and allows you to clown all your friends and whoever ends up last gets that tattoo of like a rainbow with a unicorn <laughs> running through it or whatever, whatever that slap gets when he is last place in his fantasy league. Yeah, man. I've, I've heard some wild punishment. That's pretty a wild one. I might have to steal that. But, uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm big on just being petty about stuff like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... I might have to write that down somewhere, honestly. Oh, th- listen, you're now part of the team, so my ideas or your ideas, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right you are, right you are. All right, let's get into it. I have some topics for you, Kyler. The first topic right off the bat, I don't know if you've seen this, but Jimmy Kimmel is getting a bowl game. He's... Uh, it's going to be on. It's going to be held on December 18th at SoFi Stadium. It's going to be called the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl, and it will pit the Mountain West Conference champion against the Pac-12 number five bowl eligible team. Okay. <laughs> Man, first of all, out of all the celebrities they could have picked, why Jimmy Kimmel specifically is my question. What What did Jimmy Kimmel do to get this bowl game? Like. I don't understand, but, you know, extra bowl games means extra football, so that's cool, I guess. But, like, I already know that they're going to be advertising the Jimmy Campbell show. I'm not into all that, but, you know, you do you, I guess. I mean, I'm waiting for the time that Jay-Z gets his bowl now. I'm yes. kind of waiting for – I know Fallon will be upset <laughs> about his his snub of not yeah. getting a bowl game. So I know that's coming. And could you imagine, you know he's going to be like the guy that flips the coin, right? So it'd be him and his little his little partner in crime. Yeah. His name on the show, I don't know. It's like, I don't remember what his name is, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I and to see that it's the Mountain West champion versus the number five Pac-12 eligible bowl team. That was a little I was like I don't know if it's disrespectful I just don't know No, that's a little disrespectful I'm not gonna lie That's That's pretty disrespectful But You know It is what it is I'm just waiting to see When we get Because you were talking About other guys I feel like Snoop Should have got a bowl game Before Jimmy Kimmel Oh right Oh my goodness You imagine All the weed That would be In the (laughs) air At a Snoop 
Oh, Snoop Ball. The Snoop Ball. <laughs> the Snoop Ball, we need that. Oh, God. So many, so much weed. Every, uh, every ad or every advertisement would be CBD or just strings of weed. Mile High Stadium. Right? Really know. There you go, right? I mean, mm-hmm. perfect. Perfect. I was, yeah. also thinking, I was also thinking that maybe, like, Oprah would be like, hold on, wait. I held, I held a talk show for a long period of time. Why am I not on a bowl? Right. That's a way. I would have took a Conan bowl over a Jimmy Kimmel bowl, to be honest. Hey. Hey. I mean, you know, it's LA. This is what they're doing. But I'm just, I'm really fascinated that the first bowl game in SoFi Stadium. It's going to be named the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Ball. That is <laughs> amazing to me. Is I don't I don't even know how to feel like my interest. If it would have been anything else, I would have been all in. But now I'm like, ugh. <laughs> like I don't know, man. Like you said, he's gonna. You know, we might do a whole like stand up comedy routine before he does the coin flip, and nobody's gonna really laugh. He'll get like a a solid little chuckle in the whole stadium. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I'm really uh I'm really interested to see how this all plays out. And you know the lead up to it is gonna just be fantastic because it's gonna be on his show every single day from like Thanksgiving on. Right. There's gonna be something in the monologue about his own goal game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can't his ego is already probably so big. The fact that he gets a bowl game for himself through the roof now has to be right. Right. But I would have thought like Kevin Hart, maybe, you know, that, 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 that's how he would, right? That's yeah. how he would. He might uh, say some problematic shit before the bowl game, though, and they got to replace him with Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't Shout know. Shout out to our boy. Shout out to our boy, Kevin Hart. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying. Oh man, I was when I saw this, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is for sure." Have to be in the pod. All man. right, so we're gonna move on because we do got a lot to get to. Here's the thing: now the Bears in Chicago mm-hmm. are looking to they have bought they're they're taking a bid on land, um, 35 miles outside of Chicago, actually, mm-hmm. and. It's in the Arlington International Race Course. And I don't know how this is going to go down in Chicago. But Tom, but the president of the Bears, uh, Tom Phillips, has said that, yeah, we're putting a, we're putting a bid on this, on this parcel of land, 36, mm-hmm. 36 acres out in some area, suburb of Chicago. And we're thinking about building a stadium on it. I'm really concerned for that man's safety. <laughs> yeah. Safety, actually. <laughs> oh, man. He's going to be getting all sorts of, you know, hate messages and emails and people going to his residency and everything. Pitchforks and flaming torches and everything you could possibly imagine. It's going to be a rough time because you know one thing about Chicago, that they really care about the Chicago Bears and they love Soldier Field. They love tradition, and a new stadium's not going to go over very well, I don't think. 
kind of went through the same thing in Boston when there was talks of Fenway Park uh, one of the, before the actual owner got it. Um, there was a guy by the name of Frank McCourt. If LA fans know anything about Frank McCourt, uh, he's also a Boston guy. He is big on parking lots. He owns like all the parking lots like next to stadiums in in that region. Mm-hmm. I don't know why his thing is. He actually still owns the parking lot at Dodger Stadium. That was kind of like his little parachute deal as he left. But um, yeah, he was talking about building a stadium uh, for the Red Sox by the waterfront. That was his big thing. It's like, we're going to build this stadium by the waterfront. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be kind of like <laughs> San Francisco Stadium. And we're going to, you know, piece together maybe some PNC Park. And, uh, and the venom that this man received for <laughs> even introducing the thought oh, of getting rid of Fenway Park. Like, that dude had to move out of Boston and go to L.A. for a while because it was hot in the street for him. It was real, real hot in the street for him. Yeah, they probably feel like how uh, how Pistons fans feel about Blake Griffin. Like that is not well, going over very well. Oh no, that that slander is is real, and and they are they are not happy whatsoever. And it's going to be so worse. What's your so what's your thoughts? Like, are we, are we are we? I know for the sake of the fans, Soldier Field, right? But what's your thoughts of? of trying to get the Bears, like, all the new amenities of the new stadiums that are out there, like Minnesota Build Stadium. We have SoFi out here with everything that you could possibly want. You got Allegiant uh, Stadium in Las Vegas. So what's your thoughts on tradition versus, okay, listen, we know that we play in a, in a rat hole. We, we kind of do know that. <laughs> but... I don't know if I could take this heat. <laughs> yeah, so I see what they're trying to do. I really do. They look at stadiums like SoFi Stadium and the Minnesota Vikings Stadium and the Raiders Stadium and all these high-tech things, and they want to give a better experience for the fans. And as someone that lives in Texas, I get it too, because any stadium at any level, from professional to college to even high school, if the stadium's older than 15, 20 years, build a new one, get it out of here. Do whatever you got to do. I don't want to see it ever again. Get this filth out of my sight, right? So I get that. But with a a town like Chicago, just knowing kind of what their culture is and what the Bears' identity is, is just this rugged, blue-collar sort of team and sort of city. I feel like Soldier Field is such a such a good representation of the team that anything else at this point, they're not going to be very happy about it. I don't think... I honestly feel like attendance could go down at the very start just because people wouldn't be down with going there. Now, it would be a better tourist attraction and all of that. But for Chicago residents specifically, I don't think they're going to be loving this move. And it'll be interesting to see how this affects the players and, you know, if they like the change, if they don't like the change, if it impacts what they're able to do in free agency. So this story to me is far from over as far as the impact of a potential move. I didn't realize until the other day that Soldier Field only sat 61,000 people. I know. I, I was shocked by that. 
And then the other thing is, is that you know for a fact that the reason they want to get the new land out in, uh, at Arlington International Racecourse is that, oh, luxury suites, you yes. know, they're trying to make it where the ticket prices are going to go way up, right. way up. So it looks like they're looking for a different type of clientele as well. Mm-hmm. Isn't it kind of like the whole thing, like in um, in Oakland when the Warriors left and they moved to Chicago, and now they have a Chase Center? Yes, that's that's very similar to me. That geez, that's a tough call. That that's a tough call. And like I said, when I was in Boston, I saw the new ownership, uh, John Henry, and then what they did is they took over a six year period. They kind of just sliced Family Park up, right? They took it. Yeah. Like, little pieces and every year they would change something. So if it was one year it was like right field and right field pavilion and they just kind of tore it down, built it up and modernized what they could. And yeah, over a six to seven year span, they got a fairly better representation of what stadiums around the league look like, you know, present day. But it still has the Fenway Park. It's in the city. It's the heartbeat of the city. And, you know, and fans were excited about keeping their beloved Fenway Park right in the city. Yeah, I think if they are going to move it, they're going to have to try to keep some of the elements of Soldier Field in the stadium to at least try to keep a little tradition and, you know, have that memory there. But it's going to be interesting, man. I think this could either go really well or really bad. It's tough to really see the in-between, you know? Right. I completely agree. I, I just... And also, the other thing is once you move... If, if for some reason they do move, right? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be real grass or is it going to be field turf? Where are we with this? Like, you right. know those fans out there care about that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I would assume it's they're going to stick with what they have, but if they change, I feel like that would be even worse for the players because the players are used to playing on that specific type of turf every every home game, you know? Well, I'll tell you one person that would actually probably vote for uh, moving, and it actually leads us into our next topic. I bet you Josh Fields would love Fields. Oh, Justin Fields? Yeah, Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Yeah, Justin Fields. So I think he would love it. Now, here's yeah. the thing with that. I don't know what's going on here, but let me read you something that I kind of got from our source of mine in Chicago is that Matt Nagy is selling this Andy Dalton mentorship program to rookie Justin Fields. Um, basically, he's using the template of the Kansas City Chiefs and Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. And I, my whole thing is this. I understand in theory what he's trying to do, but let's see what week five looks like and the Chicago Bears are one and four and Andy Dalton <laughs> is throwing for 112 yards and two picks. I can't wait to see Chicago fans with pitchforks, Molotov cocktails, <laughs> and pillowcases filled with batteries at <laughs> Matt Higgins' door. 
Yeah, man, I don't, I don't get it, man. Because just watching Andy Dalton last year versus seeing what I see in Justin Fields in the film I saw of Ohio State, I think Fields gives him a better chance to win right now. And by the way, what you said about Week Five, I'd be shocked if Andy Dalton plays until Week Five. To be honest, I'm expecting like a middle of Week Two, start of Week Three transition. But I don't know. They're gonna want to win now, especially with whatever happens with Aaron Rodgers, whether he gets traded. If he does get traded, the division's wide open. And it's to me, it's for Chicago's taking. Chicago at that point would be the front runner if they start just fields. So to me, it just doesn't make sense to really sell Andy Dalton as a starting quarterback. I get why he's doing it, but Justin Fields is clearly the guy there. My source is telling me for real, and I mean, I know it sounds preposterous, but my source is telling me that they are really trying to do this whole like maybe field starts like week 13, like 14, 15 on. Like they are really trying to do this Kansas City game. And like some of the reports coming out of camp is that, you know, people have gone up to Justin Fields and asked him like, hey, what do you think about this? And he's like, well, you know, you know, I want to be the best quarterback I can be. I want to develop. I can learn a lot from Andy Dalton. I can, I can do, he's saying all the right things. And the coaches, you know, throwing this propaganda out that this is what we're going to do. This is a template. This is how we have success for years on end that we slow play our rookie quarterback who we invested a lot into, you know, mind you with the picks and what have you, that they're really trying to get 14, 15 weeks out of Andy Dalton. Now, from a fantasy perspective, that changes everything in Chicago, right? It really does. To me, if Justin Fields was playing, you know, week one, as soon as Fields takes the field, no pun intended, every single Chicago Bears receiver gets an upgrade for fantasy. Andy Dalton last year was only really able to support one consistent receiver, and that was Allen Robinson. And even if Dalton starts, Allen Robinson will still probably give you consistent production, but not some huge upside because Dalton's not a guy that's going to throw for, you know, 30 touchdowns and 4,000 yards on a year-to-year basis, at least not at this point in his career. And so, like, if Fields comes in, I love Darnell Mooney for fantasy as a breakout in his second year. He shows flashes as a real deep threat. And he fits better with Justin Fields for sure. Now, as far as, you know, third receivers and tight ends, they don't have too much of that. Cole Komet could break out, I guess. But it's more so Robinson and Mooney. Their stocks would go way up for Justin Fields. And if your sources are right, that Andy Dalton is going to be the starter until week 14-ish, then that hurts those two. And it also obviously hurts Justin Fields, who I think could have been really good in fantasy if he does start because – the key at this point to quarterbacks, it seems, is you want ones that can run the ball and give you that mobility because rushing yards give you a solid floor for even if they're having a bad passing game. Like surprisingly, as bad as Daniel Jones is as a quarterback, the fact that he rushes the ball at least gives you some type of floor for as many turnovers as he has, right? To where sometimes his rushing yards and his turnovers can cancel out to where, you know, it's not as much of a negative while, you know, and Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton's not a guy you're really going to be playing. He's at best a 
streaming, you know, based on matchups. If you need a quarterback that week, you plug and play them and then you drop them the next week. But fields can be, you know, a top, a top 12 quarterback at QB one for you, depending on whether he plays. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. I'm going to be looking, I'm sure you will be too throughout training camp and throughout OTAs, these reports to see when fields plays. And I, from a fantasy perspective, everybody should want Justin Fields to be playing as soon as possible. This is the type of stuff that you are going to get on college podcast. So <laughs> I can't listen. I've heard it. I'm just letting you know, I've heard it. It's dope. It's going to drop tomorrow. Tyler, would you give them the title of the podcast? Yeah, man. So the title of the podcast is Fantasy Dreams. We're making your fantasy dreams a reality on my podcast. You know, and obviously everybody's fantasy dream is to dominate their fantasy league. Whatever I can do to help. I'm doing it. I'm giving you all the rankings. I'm giving you division previews. I'm giving you guys to avoid, guys to take, big-time sleepers, big-time busts. I'm giving you everything you could possibly want until the season starts. And then as the season goes on, I'll be giving you content then of who to start, who to sit on a week-to-week basis, trades you could possibly make, guys to sell, guys to buy. All sorts of stuff is going to be coming throughout the year. And uh, I'm excited to bring it to you all. Now, one last thing on Andy Dalton. He's like a check down guy, right? This is not, yes. and he's also playing in Chicago where it's very windy, no pun intended, but I don't see how you can honestly think that you can manage and knowing that the defense is going to know that we're jumping like, we're jumping slants, we're jumping like 10 yard outs, we're jumping like, 15-yard steam routes to the tight end. Right. Like, I just don't see how you can get an offense together around Andy Dalton knowing that the defense does not have to look for the for the long ball at all. No, and I think these reports to me, I'm sure they do have some belief in Andy Dalton, but I think these reports more so show what their game plan is going to be this season, which is trust the defense and run the ball. They want to be a hard-nosed team, even though they do get Tariq Cohen back in the backfield. They're going to be probably pretty run-heavy this season, and they really think that they're probably going to have a top three or top five defense, and they really liked what they saw out of David Montgomery in the second half of the season. I had him on some fantasy teams. He was outstanding in the second half of the year. So... I don't think they're really even saying Andy Dalton's going to go out there and throw for 300 yards a game and throw for three touchdowns and not turn the ball over. I think it's more so a game manager thing. And they think that Andy Dalton is just going to make less, you know, rookie mistakes that fields could possibly make. But I mean, if you're going to trade up for Justin Fields, why not play him? You know, especially with how the NFL is with trying to win while you have your guy on the rookie contract, you know? Absolutely. I am. My whole thing is that if you had somebody a little bit different, like if there was a Tyrod Taylor on Mm -hmm. the Chicago Bears, that might be different because now you're kind of, he's not stylistically exactly the same as Fields, but he's closer. He's a closer facsimile. Yeah, way closer. That dude is a statue. No. He's not moving out the pocket. And he's definitely not getting it down the field at all. So 
it's it, it's almost like two different universes colliding. And I, you know, I guess well, if you think about it this way, right? Kansas City was the exact same thing, right? Alex Smith was Mr. Checkdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was everybody wanted Alex Smith to throw the football down the field. He just would not do it. And they got yeah. Andy. Andy Reid got what sixteen weeks out of that guy, mm-hmm. and then un, and then he unleashed. The Death Star, because it was fully operational in Patrick Mahomes. Yep. So we will see. I don't see the patience in Chicago being that good, and I don't think that Nagy has the the cachet of one Andy Reid. So good luck, Matt Nagy, in your endeavor to <laughs> hold down Mister Fields. From the Ohio State University. That leads yeah. us to our next guy. And I have been waiting to talk to you about this because this is this is something that you didn't prep for. I have one thing that you did not prep for. All right. And I'm gonna hit you with this. So what's the best case scenario for Mac Jones? When should Mac Jones start? <laughs> What do you see if Jones is in that best case scenario? What do you see from him this year? Yeah. So, so Mac Jones, right. As a Patriots fan, I didn't love the Mac Jones pick. Obviously I was really wanting Justin Fields to me. Fields is just a better prospect than Mac Jones, but you know, this season, I truly believe that Cam Newton will be better this year he actually wasn't that bad before he got COVID and he's got more time to recover from the shoulder injury. He's got more weapons this year. I do believe in Cam a little more, not saying he's going to be MVP or anything, but I do really like him this season. As far as what Mac Jones could do in this lineup, the thing with how they've built the team is he doesn't really have to do much for them to win games because, you know, they've got the defense, they've got the two tight end set. I think they're going to be really run heavy utilize the play action, tight ends up the seams, just safe football, but dominant football at the same time. So to me, I think as far as a team perspective between Mac Jones and Cam Newton, I don't think this season, whoever plays will impact the winning and where they are in the standings all that much. Although if I had to pick, I would pick Cam just because he's the veteran and he's going to make less rookie mistakes. Um, and then if you're looking for a fantasy perspective, I like Cam more than Mac Jones just as a startable quarterback because, like I said, he gives you rushing. Uh, but Mac Jones is probably going to be better for the fantasy receivers for Aguilar, John Smith, Hunter Henry, James White out of the backfield because he's probably going to throw for more yards. Cam Newton, you know, he threw, what, eight touchdowns to 15 interceptions last year which I don't think he'll do that again, but I don't think he's going to be throwing for 4,000 yards again. So it'll be interesting from that perspective, but just as a Patriots fan perspective, I'm just looking for good football. I don't honestly feel too heavily one way or the other on who starts this year. Although if I had to lean one way, I'd probably go Cam. Now, if Cam does start and that, that looks like that will be the, the, the over the, just the, on, on how Bill wants to set up the team, he definitely wants somebody who is going to take care of the football. Cam does give him the rushing aspect that Mac Jones doesn't get.
scale, mm-hmm. even though we've heard reports that, oh, Mac Jones is a little more athletic than we thought. <laughs> I don't know what that, I don't know what that code means, but I, I see Cam Newton run the football and I take Cam over Mac Jones. Like, 99.8% of the time when it comes to that. But oh, for if, sure. he was, if he was to start, like if you were going to be the coach of the New England Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. And you said, I got to get this guy in because I got to see at some point and evaluate what time period would you want to see Matt Jones start? Would it be early in the season? Is it kind of like Phil to you? Or is it a situation where the Matt Nagy, the Matt Nagy uh, system, where you would like to see him week 13, you know, now the teams are beaten up, you know, they're tired, they're playing one extra game this year, and there's only going to be one bye. So would you rather see if he was going to play, would you like to see him start early, or would you like to see him start late? Right. So I think, you know, obviously the main thing is it's probably going to depend on what our record is throughout the season. If we're actually good, um, you know, sneak peek in the team previews. I think the Patriots are the third best team in the division. So I don't think we're really going to be in the playoffs this year. I think Mac Jones to me is probably going to end up starting. If I had to say somewhere between weeks eight and 12, you know, just to see what we have. I think I would, I would sit him for at least eight weeks though, just to make sure he gets the playbook up to speed. Cause Cam struggled with the playbook once he came back from COVID. So, you know, you bring in a rookie quarterback trying to learn the Patriots playbook and a new playbook at that. Cause they're probably going to have a whole new system. It's going to be a little tough for him to get it right away. So I'd probably go week eight to 12, but I'm definitely not going to be mad if he plays it all this year. I don't think it's going to be Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. I do expect him to play at some point this season. Listen, Boston fans, do not get on my guy, Kyler. I'm <laughs> going to, Hey, I'm going to co-sign for him. I spent 15 years in Boston and I actually have the Patriots being third in that division as well. So, no heat on the new guy. All right? <laughs> All right? I appreciate that we now, Tyler, this is big news. You're now part of the team. We just went over 10,000 downloads in less than a year. So shout out to all the listeners that have supported this podcast, and we're about to give you more content. But also breaks on this year for New England. Here's the one thing that, like, the little outlier on New England is this. They do have a very good running back in Damian Harris. They do have tight ends, and that defense is really good. Bill is a master at manipulating the clock and taking possessions away from you. If all that falls the right way for Belichick, he's looking somewhere in the range of a 10-7 and seven season, maybe getting sneaking that 11th game in there, but more likely than not, it's 9-8 and eight, most likely. And that will put you right outside the playoffs, scaring the hell out of people, but 
putting you right outside the playoffs. So that's kind of my prediction on that. I haven't really delved into it yet. I'm going to be starting my division uh, predictions in July. And I think we'll probably have Kyler on for those as well, just to kind of, you know, bounce some things off of because, you know, I've been wrong in the past. I wasn't wrong a lot last year, but, <laughs> you know, it does happen. It does happen. I like the little flex you threw in there. Talk your shit, Vince. You know, I have to, I have to, I have to try to do it. I have to try to do it. You know. Now, yeah. speaking of flexing, have you seen what Calvin Johnson has said? I, I did see. I did see the Calvin Johnson thing, yeah. So my man Calvin Johnson, a.k.a. Megatron, is really happy for Matthew Stafford to escape Detroit. He went on a, he went on a show called The Hook. And he spoke about his his exodus or his attempt to get out of Detroit and continue his playing career. The six-time pro bowler said this, you know what? It sucks that they, Detroit, didn't give me, didn't let me go, but they let Matthew go. But, hey, you know it is what it is. That sounds very patriot-like. Then Johnson goes on to say, my desire to play football at that time was still great. And my, de- my desperation of getting out of Detroit was legit. I would have liked to play anywhere else. Damn. But, but, you know, I was not able to. And at this point in time, there's still lingering resentments between Megatron and Lions management. He even went on to say this. I am not back in the family with the Lions or anything like that. It would be nice to resolve things, but that's neither here nor there. That was quotes from Calvin Johnson in regards to his attempt to escape from Detroit and Matthew's successful escape from Detroit. Yeah, that, that's pretty scathing stuff, but I really don't blame him at all. Just seeing what he went through in Detroit, just all the losing that they went through before Stafford got there. He was playing with Dan Orlovsky and John Kittner, whoever. It, he had a rough time there, and the fact that they didn't let him go was pretty messed up. Yeah, I thought that the whole – and then he went on to say about, like, he's kind of living vicariously through Matthew Stafford because he was the one – he was like – He's like my guy in Shawshank Redemption. He got out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he went on to, the <laughs> yeah. to look for his boy. Yeah. You know that? Oh, it was funny to hear him, but just to hear kind of even in the in the quotes, kind of just the, the lingering resentment that he has towards Lions management is just, I, I don't understand. Like, they couldn't, somebody in the ownership group couldn't, like, go to this guy and be like, hey, listen, you know, time has passed. You know, I know, you know, we kind of did you wrong. You know, we want to kind of have you come in as an ambassador. You know, what can we do? Can we get you, like, a a Phantom? Can we get you a, a Bugatti? <laughs> do you need another Rolex? Like, yeah. what can we do to kind of get you back into the fold? Because, you know, TV money in the NFL is real serious. They can afford like a little luxury item from Megatron. Oh, for but sure. to see that there's no there's no movement on that front tells me all I need to know 
about the Detroit Lions, and I'm sorry, Lions fans, this is why you can't have nice things. <laughs> this is exactly why you can't have nice things whatsoever, because you do people dirty. Barry Sanders, yep. stop playing football. Megatron, stop playing football. And we have no idea what Matthew Stafford would have done if he would have been in Detroit this year. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it seems like he probably would have requested a trade or something like that. Stafford, I think, was waiting to get out of there. Or wait, he did request a trade. That's right, he did request a trade to go to the Rams. So exactly. But, I mean, Calvin, you're absolutely right. The way they treated Calvin Johnson was super messed up. And, you know, it does show why the Lions have been this bad. I know there's a whole thing with, you know, the Lions curse and the team has been cursed for decades and decades. But just when your team has run so poorly, it's not going to go very well. And, I mean, just looking at what the Lions are like right now versus where they were with Calvin Johnson, you know, all the Lions fans listening, you know, appreciate you being here, but your team sucks. All right, <laughs> let's get that out of the way. Your team's garbage. You got Jared Goff. Good luck with that. Oh, yeah. I can tell you all you need to know about Jared Goff. I, need, <laughs> I can tell you all you need to know. By the way, if that dude can smell any sort of blitz, he is going to crater like nobody's business. If you oh. like New York-style pizza and folding, that is Jared Goff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's coming from a Rams fan. Long time. So I've gone through some stuff. I have some PTSD when it comes to Jared Goff. I can't help myself. And then also the other thing is you got your head coach, Dan Campbell, talking about gnawing kneecaps and wearing <laughs> Formula One racing helmets to press conferences. Detroit, you, you need to, you deserve better. You oh, you should man. you should demand better from your yeah. front office and your ownership group. You you should get better. I've never been so sure in my life that a coach is at CTE before Dan Campbell. He for Absolutely. sure has it. Oh, I was man. I was I saw that interview and I was like, oh my god, this dude is really the head coach of a football team. <laughs> they're fucked. Like, yeah, they're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> I said the same thing. I was just like, whoa. Oh, this is going to be <laughs> ugly. Yeah, I don't see any way this goes well, to be honest. Is there anybody on Detroit that even though their they're coaching staff and their team has not been so good, is there anything that Detroit Lions fans can kind of hang their hat on as far as fantasy is concerned? You know, because you know when you live in an area and you kind of go for a team, you want to have, like, at least one of your guys on your team. Is there a guy in Detroit that you're kind of going like, hey, it wasn't bad to have on a squad? Oh, well, yeah, there's more than that because there's one guy, the Detroit Lions, that I'm going to be talking about him all summer long before the season. Get him on your teams if you can. T.J. Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson is going to be so good. Third year tight end breakouts are so common. And, you know, he was a first round pick for a reason, special talent. And when you look at the receivers that they have on their team, it's, you know, Tyro Williams, Rashad Perriman, 
Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a pretty solid rookie, but I don't think he's going to be making too much of an impact year one. Hawkinson, to me, is the guy. And you look at what Jared Goff was on the Rams. He liked to throw to the tight ends. He had Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett be viable guys that were catching passes and became household names at some point. And Hawkinson's the only tight end there. Hawkinson, to me, is a lock for a tight end five, a top five tight end. And to me, he's got upside to be, you know, even higher than Darren Waller. In fact, a little preview, I think I'm probably going to have him slightly above Darren Waller in my tight end rankings. That's big right there. Also, Detroit Lions fans, look for your running backs to get some catches out the backfield because Jerry likes to throw it three yards behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. Like his average, PPR, of, yeah. yeah, his average of of throws down the field is like putrid. So there's going to be a lot of little dump offs and, and all that sort of thing. So good luck with that. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's not great from a fantasy perspective, the running back room, just because you have DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams cutting in their touches. But just from a Lions fan perspective, I would expect the running game to be pretty good because your offensive line, really solid. It's probably going to be at least the top eight unit, if not top five. I really like what they've done with the O-line. But as far as taking DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams respectively, probably not going to do it unless their ADPs fall. But, you know, Lions fans need something. I'm trying to give them something to look forward to, you know. Listen, we try to give you rays of sunshine on this podcast. <laughs> sports of change is not about just negativity. It's about saying, hey, listen, we care about you. In Detroit, we actually do care about you. I spent a little time in Detroit for a second. It was kind of like my little stopover joint before I got to Boston. I did the whole going to Canada on the little, on the little like, uh, it was, it's a thing like on the airport, you just kind of sit there and you just, oh, just yeah. Canada is awesome. You know, it was a good time, but let me tell you something. Detroit football right now, just Michigan football as a whole right now, <laughs> it's kind of depressing. Harbaugh. It's pretty bad, yeah. It's, it, I don't know what to tell my people in Michigan. I just really don't. Yeah, exactly. and you said you said right now it's been the last like sixty years for the Lions. Like it's been rough. Yeah, it. I mean, it goes back to it goes back to ownership, right? It really does. And yes. the problem with that is that you see teams. And I was actually talking to one of the guys that we talk to all the time, which is Ace. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him about the Steelers, and I was like. Hey, listen, even if they have a bad, a couple bad years right now, the one thing that you do know is that the Roonies are a, are a good ownership group. They stay out of the way. They hire good people. They hire smart people. They do not worry about, oh, trends and they don't worry about things like, okay, uh, you know, this guy doesn't have a lot of experience in this area. If he is smart, well-prepared and astute at his job, we're going to hire him. We're going to get the best people available. We're not just going to hire names just for the sake of name. Right. That, that's the thing with some of these other organizations that are is really upsetting because you have these fan bases that are loyal. They pack the stadium. They want good football. 
and it's just like the ownership. You can tell that they don't care about winning as much as they care about the bottom line, and that's really hard for some of these fan bases that pour their hard-earned money to go to these games, buy these jerseys or what have you, and know that like my Venus is that I'm going to get a wild card game and I'm going to get the brakes beaten off me by somebody. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I feel so bad for them. You, you know what? They'll get a good year one day. If it's twenty years from now, it's twenty years from now. But I, I hope I see the day. I hope I live long enough to where I see a Detroit Lions Super Bowl win. Oh well, the the hope is right. Cleveland. Cleveland is your template. Yep. They're finally well run. So the hope. So if Detroit or Michigan as a whole. You don't have to look far, and I know my Michigan people out there hate to look to the state of Ohio. I know there's some, I don't know, some way back Hotfield McCoy thing that's going on with the Michigan people and the Ohio people, but if you want to get better, you might have to look to the state of Ohio and go, maybe we should try that. Right there, right. That, that right there. No, that needs to be the template for sure. And you know, before the last couple of years, it was kind of a toss-up between who was the worst-run organization in football between the Browns and Lions. But now it's clearly the Lions, and they got to do something to to fix it because it's been far too long since they've had anything remotely close to competitive football. Absolutely. Now I have a story for you. Now, Kyler. We're getting to know you here, so mm-hmm. tell me this. Are you a big Madden fan? Uh, well, I can't say a big Madden fan because the game isn't that good anymore, but I do play Madden. I do try to buy the new Maddens and waste my $60 every year. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy playing Madden. All right. Now, did you see? do you know who's on the cover this year? Yes, I do. It's Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes for the GOAT edition, right? Right. Absolutely. So... Here's the thing that I found funny. I don't know if you've seen it so far, but go on Bleacher Report or YouTube. Brady was making fun of the Madden curse, and they have a whole kind of commercial on it, and they have him in this, like, ridiculous bubble from when he was oh, on yeah, the last time. I was like, only Brady could sit there and mock the curse because <laughs> he's the GOAT. I'm actually a little more worried about Mahomes because of the, you know, because of the curse. But Brady, he's just Teflon. That dude, I don't care. That dude, he's got a supermodel wife. He upgraded. He was with Bridget Monaghan. See Blue Blood, (laughs) my young people out there. Okay? She was a smoke show too. But he said, I can do better. He ended up with a supermodel Victoria's Secret wife who makes $400 million a year. So that's why he could take all those pay cuts. Like, mama makes all the money. It's cool. (laughs) Certified winner. Right. That dude is winning at life. But the other aspect of this is, did you see the Julian Edelman dig I did not see the Julian Edelman dig. Oh my God, I have something for you then. 
So Julian Edelman went on social media and he said, he said, Grady, you come a far way. He took the addition where Grady shows up on Madden his first year in the league and mm-hmm. he was known as QB number 12. He didn't even have a name. <laughs> And his rating was 57. Oh, man. And his statement was, you come a long way. You know what I'm saying? I love Julian Edelman, man. I love Jules. His troll game is super strong. I was excited by that a lot. But I was also a little unnerved by it because of this, Right. And you know this to be true. You're a Patriots fan. I spent 15 years in Boston. We know about Brady and his how he's notorious for just inventing just slights, right? Just okay. inventing them out of thin air, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to thinking about this whole deal, okay? So mm-hmm. you got to picture this. So we're going to have to do a little story time, Tyler. This is what I do on the show, all right? All right. So... I'm looking at Brady, and he's sitting in his palatial mansion in Tampa. And he goes to his study, right? He got all he got a library full of books. It's all about the NFL and the history, and he got stuff on like great generals of any era or whatever. And then he touches a statue, and then the walls open up, and there's a layer where he goes in, and in that layer. There's nothing but like, like on the walls, there's nothing but like newspaper clippings of swipe. There's TVs running like 24 hours a day with talking heads like Max Kellerman and other pundits talking about him falling off a cliff. (laughs) You know, Brady to me reminds me of Thanos from the Infinity War and Endgame. Where he's just going through the galaxy, creating, just creating slight and and doubt infinity stones to make him stronger. You know? Yeah, he he got all of them. He got all the infinity stones, too. He got seven of them. Right, exactly. And you know that TV 12 method, he has some kind of scientist that has now found the ability to somehow harness slights and doubts and just, you know, slanderous statements towards them and somehow mix it into a liquid so he can drink, (laughs) so he can just be, so he can just play until when he wants to retire and be at, like, full capacity, full strength, just dominating the NFC South. I feel bad for the NFC South. I just feel bad for that whole division because they literally walk in to this year going, well, we're playing for a distant second. Yep. Oh, man, it's going to be rough. But, you know, what's interesting is my takeaway from the Edelman thing is actually a little different than yours. I think Edelman at some point, I don't know if it's this year or next year, just knowing how he is and knowing how Tom Brady is and knowing that they have Gronk too, I think he comes out of retirement and goes to Tampa Bay, honestly. I think there's a pretty good chance. Now, will Edelman be an impact player for them? Probably not. But I do think he'll probably at some point go to Tampa Bay. I just can't see him being done with football, you know? 
Some of my man element is down in New Orleans with like some kind of like voodoo witch doctor. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, listen, I need a, I need a voodoo doll. That's Robbie Miller. <laughs> and I need to like get this dude's hamstring torn so I can go in and play like three games. You know, I don't need a lot. And then I can get to the playoff. I can do my obligatory like four or five catches. You know, four of the five catches are for first downs, yes. one is a touchdown, and I just have another title with Brady. Yeah, I could absolutely see him doing that. That Scotty Miller shit is so far. He would kind of need that. But I don't think Edelman would mind coasting with Brady and Gronk to another Super Bowl win. I think he's his competitive spirit to me is too high to be done and content with not playing anymore. And I just think that this sometimes, and, and you know this to be true, you, you're a Patriots fan, but I, I lived it. Like, I was I was there. And um, in my time there, you know, I kind of, I did some stuff for a couple radio stations there. And, you know, knowing, knowing Bill, how he runs his team, I'm not saying that there's no fun whatsoever. <laughs> but it's a regiment. And when you're like 33, 34, you've seen everything there is because they are the most prepared team in football, right? Let's, right. you know, no slander on any of, anybody else's team. I'm just saying that dude will bring up film from, the hoodie will bring up film from 1934 and say, <laughs> yo, we're going to run this. Yeah. Right? And everybody has their pen and notebooks out taking notes on what their job is on that physical play, right? Mm-hmm. But I think you get to a point when you're 34 and you've seen it all and you still hear Bill talking about, you know, as you walk down the hallway from, like, receiver room to, the, like, the main room when you're going to have the, you know, the entire team to have, you know, the whatever they're going to have, a little meeting or whatever, and the little quizzes that Bill throws at you before that, I can see another one going like, I'm really sick of this. I'm sick of this crap. I'm yeah. done. Like, football's no fun. I'm ready to go. And then you go to another place that's just like breath of fresh air. Like, ah. Oh. No, I think he would like that. Obviously, he loves Brady. He loves Gronk. I think him and Bruce Arians would get along pretty well, too. Not that him and Bill Belichick don't. Obviously, they were pretty tight, too. But I think it'd just be, you know, like you said, a breath of fresh air, just something new, something exciting. And, uh, yeah, I, that's my prediction is that sometime in the next year or two, he's going to be on the Bucks with Brady and Gronk. Yeah, get the body healthy, right? Let it recover from the, the beating it took in New England. And then let's just go down to Tampa and chill with our boys. <laughs> yep. You know? And Julian Edelman would be, like, the perfect guy to be on the boat with Brady. So if he does get a little hammered, like <laughs> it be, let's not throw, let's not throw the, the you know, Super Bowl trophy. Let's yeah. Now, you know. You got an image to maintain, bro. You know, you know. I'm yeah. Curious. Now, the one thing with Edelman is that just seeing how he played the last two years, if Brady was throwing it to him on the boat, there's a there's a decent chance he might drop it. I'm just saying. For he, sure. He had a little little butter fingers the last couple seasons, so that's a little it's a little riskier. Yeah, I mean, you have to make business decisions. 
safeties, you know, you get up <laughs> to our age, you know, you got it and you hear this, you can feel the safety coming at you. It's like, I could catch this, but then I could be dead or I could drop this and live to fight another day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sure that was a little bit of that going on. For sure there was after however many years he played in the league. I, I completely understand. Me as well. So we're going to get to our last topic of the day. And what it is, is we're going to talk a little bit about the college football playoffs, the expansion, and what it means to some of these other conferences. So my question to you, Kyler, is this. First of all, do you like the expansion? Uh, I love the expansion. I thought it was going to go more to eight. I didn't think it was going to go all the way up to 12, but I think an expansion was long overdue, so I'm glad they did it. All right. Now, do you think this really helps the non-Power 5 conferences? Probably not in the grand scheme of things, but... You know, it's interesting to see more teams on that grand stage when there's a chance you get more upsets and everything. But I don't think it's going to help them as much as they think it probably will. I I saw this as the SEC is now going to legit get three to four teams in a year. I was just going, wait, so this is going to be a whole section of SEC teams, correct? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm... I'm reading this correctly. We're going to have 12 teams in it. So I can see, obviously, you got Alabama, you got Georgia, because they're always floating around five, six, right? Then you got Florida. Then it's like LSU, if they can get their quarterback situation together, you know, and then I guess we switch out, like, Auburn will have a good team every three to four years that could, you know, contend for for a championship. So to me, I was like, well, the SEC is cool with this because they're getting, they're getting squads in. I don't know about the rest of you, but we're getting squads in. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't even think of it like that because, you know, I'm someone who the way I watch college is I'll, I'll tune in every once in a while. But for the most part, I watch, you know, the playoffs. And then afterwards, I'll, when the draft is coming up, I'll do film study of guys. And that's how I get my college content. So to me, the, just as more of a casual college fan, it's just, you know, more teams means more games. I'm cool with more games, you know. Right. And I am not upset. I even said it on my last Football Friday podcast. So go to Question Point Pod Network. Get into the archive pods because these jokes have layers to them. And if you're just coming on today, first of all, welcome. Welcome to QP Sports Exchange. But if you want to get all the jokes, you got to go back and listen to the archive pods <laughs> because these jokes are layered. We have multiple layers. We have different universes going on. It's kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. These jokes are long coming. So, the other thing is this, is that Cincinnati, who I kind of dub as like the ugly stepsister of college (laughs) football, because they just get no burn when it comes to the college football playoffs, I was like, oh, oh, they get, 
Oh, it reminds <laughs> me of like one of those movies like She's All That, right? The girl yeah. is painting and she's wearing glasses and then all of a sudden she takes off the glasses, pulls the hair out of the ponytail. And it's like, oh yeah, you can go, hey, you can go to all the cool parties now because you look good. Right. That's a, that's a good ass analogy. That was, that was pretty perfect. Oh, what you will know here, Tyler, is that the pop culture references get real deep. Oh, I'm sure, oh, yeah. They get real with that. So what we're going to do now is we're going to do this, is that Tyler will be dropping a podcast tomorrow. Um, it is the pilot episode of Fantasy and Dreams where he makes your dreams reality and you are now going to be Thanos and you're going to have <laughs> the infinity range of your fantasy football league and you're just going to tell everybody to pretty much you're going to love it or you're just going to be shoving down your throat anyway so learn to deal with it absolutely absolutely so the other thing kind of that we didn't talk about and the one thing that we kind of do on this show is we do pod business on the show right so mm-hmm. for you we are dropping this episode on Saturday now as we go on and we get closer to the actual season, should we be dropping this pod like on Thursday morning or Wednesday so then it also gets the Thursday night football game? What's your thoughts on that, sir? Uh, I, I think that sounds great. I think we should do the Wednesday or the Thursday so we can get this info out before the fantasy week officially starts, you know, and just make those last minute, you know, cuts and, uh, start and sit moves. I think that would be a pretty good idea. All right. So this is what we're going to do today is that we're going to go ahead and we're going to give all the flowers and we're going to give all the shine to Kyler. And usually what I do on a football Friday is I do a no doubt about it person of the week. Well, you know who the person of the week is. <laughs> Kyler. He just joined the team. He is the no doubt about it person of the week. Now, for my fans out there who listen to the pod, I tell you all the time, get with me on Twitter or Instagram. And that is QPT Network on Twitter and it's Question Point Pod Network on Instagram. You can give me somebody in the community who's impacting their community in a special way. You know, that's what we're all about. We want to make sure that people who are less fortunate than us, right, that are, you know, that are maligned are getting taken care of. So if you have a superstar in your community that's doing big things, that's helping out, that's, uh, you know, creating programs or whatever the case may be, please hit me up on my social medias because I want to spotlight that person. If you are a prep athlete and you're trying to get burned, you know where to come. I might be moving to Texas in about six to eight months, so I will be invading the literally <laughs> the the what is it the Mount Olympus of high school football. Oh yeah, it's it goes down here, man. Twenty thousand seat stadiums. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the fields look better than some of the college stadiums and in, in college football. It's ridiculous, but that is where 
me and my wife are lucky to move and I'll be all over that. But in the meantime, in between time, you get yourself on social media, you drop me a line, you tell me who I'm supposed to be looking at, and we will spotlight that guy and we will give him burn and shine on this podcast. So Kyra, this is your first little kind of introduction into the QP Sports Exchange podcast. Question Point Pod family, what's your first takes on being here? It's it's great, man. It was a it was a very good welcome experience. We just got to you know chill and talk about sports, and that's all I'm really about. And so is it's cool that I just get to talk about what I love to talk about, but also you know connecting with the people that listen and you know get this information out there, have a good time, and hopefully you know the people listening are getting some entertainment and maybe some information along the way out of this as well. Absolutely. So. With that being said, we gonna bounce, right? We got we got stuff that we need to talk about, not even just business wise. We gotta get into these basketball games that's starting like <laughs> in the next thirty minutes because Atlanta and the seventy sixers are in an elimination game. Yep. And that's just gonna be lit because you know what comes on Monday. That's who questions Monday. We bring that to you every single week. That's a bunch of heat right there. We got a lot of Luka Doctors news. I was the first one to tell you that there is a big problem in Dallas, okay? And now we got coaches fired. We got GMs fired. We got shadow GMs staying. We got – it's just pandemonium in Dallas. So when you need the news and you need it real, rugged, and raw, you know where to come. Tell them where, we, where, where they got to come, Kyler. Question point. Podcast Network, QP Sports Exchange, Who Question Mondays, Football Friday. You already know what it is. And we are bouncing. We'll see y'all Monday. Peace. Yes, sir.